politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew every issue that matters to our lives. And there are many here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for July 20th. It is Thursday, powering towards the end of the week. And we've already had a very productive week, very important show yesterday about medical kidnapping And today, I want to get back to some of the fundamentals, while, as we always do, pick a theme going through a lot of the news of the day. But, as always, not the news you're going to hear from my other colleagues, things you'll you'll never hear. But the difference is this. There is one central point I want you guys to get out of today's show. And we're going to bring it out through several points, but through this story I want to read to you, or not really read, but just give over from South Dakota. And that is, it doesn't have to be this way. We have a lot of things within our power, our sphere of influence, our community, our neighborhood, and especially if you live in a red county, a red state, and you have elected officials that espouse broadly views that we hold or claim to hold, and they would be influenced by a pressure campaign from our people. You have it in your power to change the world through changing your community. But first, you have to change your own heart, or you have to at least believe in your own heart the right things. And the reason we don't have a movement doing this is because, as we've unfortunately identified, The leadership on the right ultimately doesn't believe in anything. They don't have an ideological core. And they basically project that out onto those who listen to them and those who take their advice. Deuteronomy 30.11. We we, we mentioned Deuteronomy 30 earlier this week with regard to, you know, look, there's life and death, there's good and evil, Pick, it, pick your choice. Pick good. Pick life. Now, how could God tell you just to pick life? What does that mean? You know, maybe it's not in your, in your power. And the answer is God doesn't expect you to do things that aren't in your power. When you look around at the world, and this really is a global problem. It's not just a, an American problem. It's, it's a Western civilization problem. The, the corrupt governance and the tyranny, the cultural problems, everything is upside down, inside out, justice and truth and fundamental rights, everything flipped you know, inside out, up is down, down is up. And it seems daunting. And, and look, it's limited what we can do. But it makes a huge difference the parts that God does give you to affect change. So 3011, Deuteronomy. For this commandment which I command you this day is not concealed from you, nor is it far away. It is not in the heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us and fetch it for us to tell it to us so that we can fulfill it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross to the other side of the sea for us and fetch it for us to tell it to us so that we can fulfill it. Rather, this thing is very close to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you could fulfill it. 
And that is the key. Because if you truly believe what is right, not, not just like in a talking point way, but in a way that when you see the evil, it, it, it gives you a revolting feeling, but also an impotence to act, impetus, not impotence, that's what we have now, but impetus to act, then you'd be surprised at what you could accomplish in your own sphere of influence. It might be family, it might be a community, neighborhood, but you look, as we keep saying, and I say this all the time, I say, look, you want to support Donald Trump, support Donald Trump, I don't care. But if we all actually believed in the things that we say we do, and, and we have a bigger industry than we've ever had before, more names, more money behind it, espousing broadly the things that I espouse here, we should be able to accomplish so much in the states where you have these governors that claim to care about us. But unfortunately, they don't believe it in their heart. All they believe is just saddle up to one man, Mr. Trump. And again, that's nothing new. It was like that with any head of the GOP. It was like that with Bush when he was the leader. So as long as the governor saddles up to the man, they could defy you on every issue that matters. And they could keep up this double game of broadly, oh, the left, the Biden, terrible. But then when it matters, screw you in the red states on land rights, on green energy, on medical freedom, all this stuff. And we're okay with it, even though it is in our ability with our mouth and our heart to fulfill an act. It has to be in your heart, then you espouse it, but then you have to act. That's what that's what that verse is saying there in Deuteronomy 30, 15. And again, 2928, the chapter before, the hidden things belong to the Lord, our God, but the revealed things apply to us and to our children forever that we must fulfill all the words of the Torah. And that's the thing. There's things that are just not in our hands to, to fix. But there are, things, there are things that are. And even when it looks like at a point there's nothing you can do, you'd be surprised if you really have it in your heart and mouth. God often will reward that will in itself and present you with opportunities you didn't think you'd have. And we talk about this all the time with the homosexual agenda and the tranny stuff that we thought we lost a lot of this stuff and now the Overton window is shifting back and we have an opportunity. But if you don't believe in it, then you're going to sleep on the job and you're not going to care. You're just going to feast and satiate your innate desire for accomplishment with superficiality and talking points and grifting. And... This is what I wanted to get to with this story going on we've been covering in South Dakota that literally represents everything we are at this moment. It represents the time we live in more than anything. It is a perfect example of how much we could accomplish if we were simply focused and simply used our pressure campaigns on the right people in the right places but because we don't, we're getting crushed even in the red areas. But also, it demonstrates the games that they play and they, how they play conservative media like a fiddle to superficially indulge their talking points and their heroes, which in this era means Trump, 
So that absolves them of their culpability of all the bad things they do in the way it matters at the time it actually matters. So we've talked a lot about this land ownership. Again, the worst nightmare. You have in South Dakota, Summit Carbon Solutions and Navigator CO2, these two foreign-backed green energy companies that want to take all the Biden subsidies for carbon capture and, and build pipelines throughout Red America that's going to somehow store carbon forever and grab people's lands with it. And they want to piggyback off of a public carrier law. See, if you're, let's say, a utility. So all you have to do is just go to court. You don't have to have the state government, in this case, the South Dakota Public Service Commission or Utilities Commission, I forget which one it's called, sign off on eminent domain that is a public good because it's automatic. It's automatic. So this, it's a problem in their law. They have a private use. So even if the state didn't determine it's a public need, a public imperative, they can just take you straight to court because it's technically a pipeline, even though it's the opposite of a pipeline. Pipeline delivers vital goods like electricity, in this case, you know, oil and gas. Here, this delivers nothing but carbon storage but in fact it takes away from you because it it further cements the premise that carbon is a pollutant and the only way you could safely have it is if you capture it so actually in the long run it will help you know net zero and agenda 2030 that's really what it's designed to do now this is something that as a standalone proposition even if they did it without taking private land it's something every republican governor should oppose but certainly, I mean, this is right here, right through through their own lands. They're doing this. And the reason I bring this up now is because Christy Nome is gradually, she is feeling the pressure. The pressure she feels and the amount she is conceding to us, which is very little at a time, she's gradually coming our direction, but still trying to play a double game and not really do anything about it is commensurate with how loud and influential the voices are pressuring her. And so far, we, we're making headway, but an, only enough for her to like rhetorically say, oh, I stand with the landowners. Oh, send me a bill and I'm fine with it, but not to actually convene a special session, which of course she has the power to do, and demand passage of HB 1133, which is the bill to get rid of it. It's a, literally a two-sentence bill, that, you know, a carbon capture pipeline doesn't word it that way. It, it's like a geological storage or something, whatever it is, is not included in the term pipeline that's exempted from the, you know, eminent domain rules. But imagine if Tucker and some of my colleagues and all these other people would come down on her, she would be forced to do it. And this is the tension we have in every red state. We're perpetually teetering at a 50-50. Where, on the one hand, the people don't really want something, but often they're not apprised of it because the average person doesn't follow this stuff. And if you don't have leaders that they tune into, local conservative talk radio, national, that covers it, they won't know about it. And the special interests that are going to constantly hold Republicans to a certain you know, position. And they're always going to try to, the, the name of the game with red state Republican governors is they want to 
perpetuate the interests of you know the Chamber of Commerce crowd as much as they can while indulging rhetorically the conservative majority electorate as superficially as they can and get away with delivering the least they can so it doesn't come into conflict with their you know their donor agenda that is the name of the game of a red state nothing more nothing less i just gave over to you political science in a nutshell at least that matters to us most that is why half the country that we should own in a second the way the left does california and new york and massachusetts we do not it's because of that and it's because conservative media winks and nods and turns a blind eye and allows them to play that double game rather than forcing them to pick a side. And again, I just want to note, this is why DeSantis is so important. It's not just he's more conservative than the rest, accomplished more. It's the way he did it. It's that he is nuking the most critical impediment to making red states red. It's not so much that Republicans are closet leftists. A lot of them are, but that's not really the point. It's that they are it's that the strongest interests and really often job creators within a given red state are part and parcel of whatever you don't like. Refugee resettlement, illegal immigration, criminal justice deform, um obviously the green energy stuff, the woke stuff, the homosexual agenda, and certainly biomedical security, because often the biggest uh, interest is healthcare in most states. And certainly in South Dakota, you have Sanford Health. And DeSantis is like, not only am I not going to be deterred by then, I'm going to actually punish them. I mean, remember, this is a man who ran for office against the sugar lobby, by the way, propped up by Roger Stone, of course. So I want to give you an update on this story and how Christy Nome embodies the failure of my colleagues. But first, you know, again, part of part of this being close to your heart to do and to actually fulfill the commandments and do what's right is the choices you make in the private sector. Until now, until recently, we haven't had the ability to get wireless service from one of our own providers. You get T-Mobile, AT&T, Verizon. They're all Chinese-backed woke companies that uh, have a monopoly. But Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider that offers dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks. So you get the best possible service in your area without the woke politics. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending a message because they support with their cash. They actually support pro-life causes, religious freedom, Second Amendment, um, so keep your number, keep your phone, just make the call, 878-PATRIOT. You'll be speaking, unlike any of the three others, to a English-speaking U.S.-based customer service rep, or you can go to patriotmobile.com slash CR. Again, get free activation today. Give them offer code CR as in conservative review. Ask about their coverage guarantee while you're there. Make the switch today. Put your money where your mouth is where your heart should be, patreonmobile.com slash CR, or call 878-PATRIOT. So I want to start off by playing here about a minute and 20 seconds of 
Christy Gnome, she put out this like, you know, these kind of cutesy videos of her in a car, this folksy thing. I'm like a your everyday grandma type of deal. And she's commenting on Jason Aldean, the, you know, that that video he had about Try It in a Small Town, uh, that video musical, that song. Great song. I mean, I'm all supportive of it. I think we need more songs like that. It's awesome. So obviously the country music station is trying to cancel it. So everyone's commenting on it. And she's like, she, well, well let, 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 let me just play it right here. Listen to Christy Nome. Good morning, everybody. I was just getting in the car to head to a meeting and I was thinking about something I posted on my social media on May 24th. It was about a new song that had just been released uh, that my friend Neil Thrasher helped write um, and Kalo as well, both dear friends of mine. But it was by Jason Aldean. And I was so impressed with the song because it talked about the value of small towns and how we have our priorities right. And when I posted on my social media, I talked about that I hoped the video would be shot in South Dakota because that is our way of life here. I am shocked by what I'm seeing in this country with people attempting to cancel this song and cancel Jason and um, his beliefs. And him and Brittany are outspoken about their love for law and order and for their love of this country. And I'm just grateful for them. I think a lot of times people that go out and and fight every day on these important issues and, and have an opinion and remember the freedom and liberty that this country was founded on get persecuted from it. And we're seeing that with the Aldeans right now and the songwriters that work so hard on this. And I just want them to know that we support them. We love them. Thank you for writing a song that America can get behind. And uh, boy, keep singing, keep playing. And if you want to come to South Dakota, I'll let you play anywhere. Uh, we'll facilitate it. Um, I know you're coming in August, but if you want to come sing it on the governor's residence front lawn, we'll do it proudly. So Thank you for being patriots. God bless you. Okay, so folks, you heard that. This is our way of life here in South Dakota. We're a small town. People who remember the freedom and liberty this country was founded on, get and they get persecuted and censored for it. Sing this song anywhere in South Dakota. Oh, well, actually, no. Don't sing that song if you're in an area that's being stolen by the carbon capture pipeline that you and every one of your donors and former chief of staff are literally serving the lawyers signed on the summons to not only come on their property, but lodge a restraining order and bring down the cops to keep people off their property while a foreign green energy company surveys your land against your will for something that should be an anathema, anathema to to anything a, a moderate red state governor stands for. But this is the embodiment. Yeah, small town, rural. Yeah, American apple pie, liberty, freedom. We're not like those big city rider. But oh, and whoops, we have green energy and COVID fascism and and carbon capture pipeline stealing. Okay, so that that just in itself is just this 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 fraudulent nature of Republican politicians now. It's all, oh, I love Trump, or I love country music, or I like, you know, they'll, they'll take the icing, but piss on the cake. By the way, I love that song, just for the record. I thought it was awesome. But, but again, like, you have to have a small town that truly, not just in a superficial way, but when it comes to things like this, where you're going to have green energy stealing people's land, then in South Dakota, you're going to say this doesn't even get off the ground. So the Freedom Caucus in South Dakota, and, and, and man, 
I have to give props to Andy Roth of the State Freedom Caucus Network. This is one of the few organizations that I'm actually seeing is making a difference. So they organized and they called on Christy Nome to, um, you know, call for a special session to deal with this. And so Christy Nome started off ignoring it. This has been, I mean, I mean, people, this is done, this is a done deal already. This has been going on for over a year, and she's been dead silent. So first it was complete silence. Then she spoke up in the abstract, like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, I support landowners. God doesn't make any more land. My daddy always told me that. Okay. But then we're like, well, what do you mean you support it? You're, you're the most powerful person in the state. You know, the governor in South Dakota relative to the legislature is very, very powerful. She's extremely popular. Whether you like it, agree or not, whether she deserves it or not, she is. And again, this is part of the problem because she's so good at the media game. Most people in South Dakota is like, yeah, Christy Nome, she's our hometown girl, you know, puts on the pretty face and everything is all, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, all the pictures of her, she'll be like on a horse with a lasso and yeah, you know. The whole, all the all the trappings of like the conservative stereotype, but <laughs> without the policies, of course. And literally, she is her donors, her staffers, her lobbyists. They're the worst. They're like the armpit of big city, not just big city, but it's like globalist America. So she's out there. Now, finally, it's gotten bad enough that she had to get more specific. So, again, I'm, this is not all bad news. What I'm trying to show you is th there is good news in the respect that she does respond commensurate with the pressure. But the pressure's got to be more. So she finally puts out on Twitter a couple days ago, I always honor my oath to the Constitution. The law is the, is the law. If the legislature wants to call themselves into special session to change the law, I look forward to reviewing what they send to my desk. So she had to get more specific. Oh, yeah, I support. But if you watch very careful, there's, there's two problems with that. If, if you didn't know what was going on there, if you're an average voter, you'd think, oh, yeah, yeah. The legislature needs to come back into session. She obfuscates the most important fact that in the stroke of a pen in a second – she could call them back in. See, the legislature, some states, the legislature has no avenue. Only the governor could do it. In South Dakota, they could do it, but they need two-thirds in both houses. And that's the problem. They're full of rhinos, and they're in the back pocket of Carbon Summit. Christy, if you really stand for the landowners, it's not going to happen without you. You have to do it, and you can do it. That's number one. Number two is she sounds like... Like, like, we're starting the fight, like the fight is two days old. Oh, yeah, 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 fine, send me something to my desk so I can review it. Dude, we had the regular session six months ago, HB 1133, introduced by Representative Carla Lems. It's a two-sentence bill, there's nothing to review. It says a carbon pipeline cannot be designated as a pipeline for the purposes of of public being designated a public carrier that doesn't need the permission of the public service the utilities commission to to get eminent domain done. There's nothing. It's it's literally you could look it up. HB eleven thirty three. It's a two sentence bill. It's been around for six months. It passed the house forty twenty eight. 
but it failed in the Senate because the Senate is full of rhinos and it's run by Lee Schobeck, the president pro temp, who is a huge rhino, huge supporter of Carbon Summit. And she was stone silent. Now, here's a very important thing to learn in in red states. When you have a governor that's like, and we had this with Huckabee Sanders with the affirmative action bill. When my buddy Dan Sullivan in the state senate was pushing, you know, we had, we did a show on this with the uh, lawyer from uh, the uh, the prof- law professor from University of Arkansas who helped draft the bill, uh, Steinbuck, Rob Steinbuck. So it passed the senate with flying colors. There, there was the opposite. It was the senate, and it died in the house because the governor was stone silent. Now, if you have a, a rock star, much needed, imminent, emergent, urgent conservative issue in your state and it conservatives literally introduced the bill passed it in one house there's no middle ground if the governor is stone silent it means she opposes the bill and she's just playing the game that you know i don't want to publicly oppose it to tick off the base but i'm certainly not going to support it but it's worse than that this is from dakota scout they they um they got a comment on the record from Senate President Pro Temp Lee Schoenbeck. And he said that given her staff was lobbying against the bill, I found her comments unusual, but that's her business. So he's kind of like, whatevs, Christy. I know you got to pander to the base now, but when the bill was going through, your lobbyists were actively telling us to oppose the bill. We have her around the neck on this, okay? There's nowhere to, to run or hide. Now, I want to make something very clear. This is another very important lesson. So many lessons you can learn in politics from this thing. I don't want to be harsh on her. Like, if she jumped into it and convened the special session, I would, and, and, and is like, give me HB 1133, or if there's something else, You know, she could write that. And by the way, as I've noted before, in South Dakota, the governor could downright introduce a bill. And as as I always like to point out, contrary to what the schmucks in conservative media like to say, that Christy Nome never sat down. There's literally a bill introduced. It says on the bill, on behalf of Governor Christy Nome, to do a shutdown. And it's just thankfully the House voted it down twice. (laughs) But it's actually introduced. So when she wants to, she could introduce a bill. Um, anyway, I am all for converts to a cause. I am all for the fact that it's never too late to do the right thing. And I wouldn't hold it over, well, you screwed us in last session. But but this is the double game, and you see it not just with elected officials, but with conservative commentators when they have to realign and readjust their position. But it's not done out of sincerity. It's done just so they're not like on the wrong side, but then they move on. If you're really a convert to a cause, you're not just like, oh, yeah, 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 I, I broadly support landowners. Ah, just send me a bill. No, you're going to do what it takes. You're going to talk about it every day, not just when – you're forced and embarrassed into it, and you're going to do it emphatically, and you're going to do it specifically, and you're going to do it in the way it matters at the time it matters. And in this case, like, if you know that it passed the House but short of two-thirds, and it failed in the Senate, and it's because they know you don't support it. So 
you're not going to get two-thirds of the legislature to convene a session because they don't naturally support it. And it's not just that, so it's going to take a conservative governor that is has a very high approval rating to say, this is what I want. Okay? But then again, you don't even need that because she could convene it on their own. Now, you would need their support to pass it. But the point is, her support makes all the difference. But it's there's no middle gr- there's a there's no middle ground here. In other words, in order to pass this, you need to convert some of the no votes from last session. If you're a no voting rhino in the Senate, there, they all know she agrees with them, and they all know. All right, Christy, you got to do your thing to pander to the base. This is the double game that these SOBs play every day. And and conservative media, they are so dumb on legislation. They're so dumb on policy. They're so dumb on the art of politics. Like, oh, Republican, good, Democrat, bad, Trump versus Biden. Like, their brain cells are so small and they fall into this trap. Conservative media gets played like a fiddle by the Christie gnomes of the world. And this is why we are where we are. This is why red states aren't red. But it doesn't have to be that way. Christy Nome needs to call a session today and say, give me HB 1133. Drive the narrative. Do press conferences with landowners. Talk about how unjust it is. Talk about the problems with carbon capture. Now, by the way, she supports all the green energy stuff as a standalone. But again, I mean, you could still support it, but oppose stealing land. But... um. And 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 by the way, it's not like it's unprecedented to call a special session. There have been five special sessions called within the last seven years in South Dakota because part part of it is they have such a short regular session. It's really really short, and there's always a need. Let me give you an example. Like in 2020, Christy Nome called a special session to gobble up and spend all the COVID lockdown stimulus funding. So when she wants to, she will call a special session. And this is where we are. She goes and praises, try that in a small town. Well, how about trying not just large town, but globalist agenda in South Dakota, and you agree with it. You agree with it. But again, she has a bright future in the party. It wouldn't surprise me if um, if DeSantis gains more traction, if he then tells Christy Nome, I mean, he literally said he has told people to get in the race. If he tells her to get in the race and, oh, all of MAGA world loves her. It's unreal. It is. Uh, she is the embodiment of a Chamber of Commerce Republican. Like, you couldn't have molded one out of the AI factory of Chamber of Commerce big health um, big green energy, like we could be dying and they'll squeeze the last pennies out of corporate pay for play. But she has all the trappings. She's good looking. She she does the videos, knows how to play off the superficial rhetoric. Are we that stupid? Are we that dumb? Like, how come the left doesn't have this problem? The left doesn't have this problem, if you think about it. They really don't. They really don't have this problem. When do you ever have a leftist, a group of leftists, 
get, you know, all wee-weed up over a Democrat that indulges liberal rhetoric and then somehow literally implements conservative policies. That would never get off the ground in three seconds. You know why? Because they believe it in their heart and their mouth and their sphere of influence and where they have influence and even where they don't, they throw their weight around. We don't do it in our own backyard. And again, Christy Nome is by no means an anomaly. She is the rule. DeSantis is the exception. Really the only one in many respects. So folks, I want you guys, I'm actually going to have a meeting with all of my state team leaders. We're going to uh, re- restart our Liberty Strike Force team, start gaming out for next legislative session. If you want to be a part of a team in a red state, you live in a red state, and you're like, there's policies that do not comport with our values. We're going to be on that. I want you to get out of this presentation how there's a lot of nuances in law and policy and politics, and you need a smart team to bring the outside in and the inside out, meaning bring the inside into the public, out to the public, and then enrage our base and bring their pressure to bear on the inside and force change. And it's not just the legislature. You know, like we see, even when the legislature's not in session, the governor. You know, for example, child protective custodies. That, that, that's not an independent agency. That is under the administration of whatever governor is serving your state. If they're doing something bad, you need to stop that. You don't need legislation. Don't do that. Department of Education, Department of Health, Department of Transportation, whatever it is, Department of Revenue. So this is what we're going to do. And look, we have team leaders in a good number of red states. Um, and I'm even forgetting it's like 16. I'm going to meet with all my team leaders, and they're doing a terrific job. It's all for free. There's no grift. There's It's literally I'm volunteering my time, but more importantly, they're the ones really volunteering. The leaders are the key because they're the ones that coordinate it. You go to conaction.network. Um, we'll have a little form there. You tell us about yourself, and then that will go to the coordinator we have in uh, that that team, that state. So if you're Georgia, if you're you are we do. Unfortunately, we don't have South Dakota. We have North Dakota. Um, we have Nebraska. We do need Oklahoma, Kansas, South Dakota. Some of those states. So if you want to be a team leader, uh, indicate that as well, or email me at danielhorowitz at startmail.com. So with that, I think I just want to kind of move on to federal stuff. And and it's the same thing, focusing on what matters. Um, the appropriations bills. I, I, I've said this again. The biggest thing we could have is have Kevin McCarthy convene a special – talk about a special session, uh, totally cancel the August recess or cancel most of it at six weeks – and stay in session and work these issues out. Work out the budget bills. Work out the reauthorization bills. And as I noted, how come nobody is calling for them to put a defund provision on the gov on on uh, the prosecution of Trump in the DOJ appropriation bills? It's called Commerce Justice Science. That's the appropriation bill. Notice to this day, neither Trump nor his supporters, I'm the only one in the country calling for this. It is so bizarre. And again, it's the equivalent of, yeah, they're going after Trump. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? 
It's like I have a red state. It put out, oh yeah, I love my landowner. She, Christy Nome literally testified before Congress on how we need to defend landowners while her own associates, staffers, lobbyists, lawyers, and donors are doing doing this to, to landowners in South Dakota. So it's the same thing here. We say one thing, but in the sphere of influence that we have to make a difference, we don't do it. We don't do it. And I want to just clarify something because someone was attacking me on Twitter and saying I'm a liar. A bunch of people are calling for defund and, and there's even legislation. Okay, I, I know you know th- there's a low IQ problem in, in that circle, but dude, this is the sleight of hand. There's standalone legislation and there's must-pass budget bills. A standalone bill, I want to do this. So okay, you pass it out of the House, the Senate will say, very nice, it's controlled by the Democrats. We ain't doing that. It won't go anywhere. And you don't have any leverage to even get bring them to the table to negotiate it. Right? So you could have a standalone bill. I want to. So you pass the appropriations, fully funding DOJ, and then have a separate bill. Oh, but don't. Well, they'll pass the appropriations and then they won't pass your defund bill. But if you take the bill that is need, see, you need, you need three branches to all agree to change current law, to affirmatively pass something new. But you only need one branch, which they have, the House, to obstruct the annual budget. You need, or put another way, you need all three branches to agree to fund the bill. See, if I want to change law, what's the status quo if you fail? What happens if you fail? The status quo. You don't get the law change. So there's no pressure on them. And if you don't have all three branches, it's kind of tough. But with a budget bill, the status quo is if you don't pass a budget bill, either for all of government or that appropriation bill for that particular department, in this case, let's say DOJ, guess what? Come October 1st at 12.01 a.m., there is zero funding for the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office. Done. So the le- we have that leverage that, hey, we're, we won't give you anything. If you want DOJ funded, we'll give the U.S. attorneys, FBI, but it will not fund these things. And that's how you bring them to the table. It's that brinkmanship. So they're right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure a couple members here and there uh, introduced the defund bill. But no one proposed it in, in, D- in, in the funding bill. And I will tell you, it is not in there. I looked. So... The committee has the Appropriations Subcommittee on on Commerce, Justice, Science has published – they haven't fully marked it up yet in the full committee, but they have the draft, and it might have gotten subcommittee markup. It fully – it does not have such a provision in it. It's not in there. (laughs) We could debate. No, they wanted it. I'm telling you, the bill is there. It's not in there. Now, you could force them in the full committee markup to put it in, and that's what you should be saying. Or have rules committee put it in before it goes to the floor. Now, because you don't want to leave it up to an amendment vote because not enough Republicans will vote for it and it will go down. You have to put it on the floor to your members as a take it or leave it approach. And by the way, I looked at it and I'm. I haven't read through the whole bill. I don't have the time to read every appropriate bill, but the con- Congressional Quarterly, it's a subscription that, that I, I get. It's like the only subscription I you know we pay for at The Blaze, um, and I'm thankful that they pay for it for me because I, I need it to, 
to you know keep on top of some of the what's going on and they unless they're wrong they say that there is a mere 4% cut in the FBI budget that's nothing last year they got a 5% increase so it, it basically just puts you back at 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 a year ago's levels which are very high it's not enough now it did cut US attorney salary by 12% which is more significant but again it's got to be targeted to the DC district in particular um you have, and and particularly defunding some, some of the J6 stuff and some of the political persecutions and obviously the Trump stuff it doesn't do that and by the way just so you know the subcommittee chair for commerce justice and science is Harold Rogers of Eastern Kentucky. He is the epitome of an old bull leftist. This is what you have in the Republican Party. It hasn't changed. So again, this is something in our own sphere of influence. They could pressure Harold Rogers and Kay Granger, the chairman. Now, of course, Speaker McCarthy ultimately gets what he wants. He is ultimately in charge. And uh, if leadership wants something, leadership gets it. Trump could make that call. Tucker could make that call. Glenn Beck, Mark Levin, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, whatever. And then all those, you know, Bannon, War Room people, Charlie Kirk, all of them. If this is what you care about, go do it. I'm the only one who has laid out a policy and communications strategy to having this fight. Let's go through some other things going. I'm just going to give you a legislative update. So much more I didn't get to on COVID stuff I wanted to get to, but we'll we'll try to go a little quick or pick up the pace here. The Senate um, soundly defeated 16 to 83, an amendment by Rand Paul that simply expressed the sense of the Senate that in order that 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 there is no provision in NATO that is self-executing, committing us to war in Europe, that any engagement the president wants by invoking Article Five of NATO has to come before, um, before the Senate for approval. So Chip Roy introduced a similar thing in the House, and they got a vote in the Senate. Just sixteen Republicans. So first of all, not a single Democrat. So again, by the way, Bernie Sanders and those people, they're such frauds. They claim to be anti-war, but they're not. They're pro-power. So this enhances their power for the Ukraine grift so that suddenly they're not anti-war anymore. So that's first of all. It's 16. Again, this is not even cutting off aid. This is just saying, look, don't commit us to full-scale troops on the ground war without a vote. And even that, we can only get a third of the Senate Republicans. You know, to cut off aid to Ukraine, we haven't had a vote on that. That would be a lot less than 16. So no, we have not changed it. And you know why we don't change it? Because they don't feel a need to change. They don't get pressure. I don't blame them. We're too busy licking Trump's rear end or, or Trump himself is endorsing these people. And by the way, on that note, again, I, wa- I want to reiterate I'm not even bothered by the presidential election. If, if let's say, a bunch of my colleagues, whether, you know, Charlie Kirk or, or Bannon or whatever, they're all in for Trump. And suddenly DeSantis is a dirtbag and we won't cover anything good about him, whatever. But, you know, 
if we all really shared the values and it wasn't just a strategic, you know, disagreement of whom to vote for for president, then I'd be fine with it because I'd know that we would consistently be focusing on the red state legislative battles and the and the House Republican legislative battles and the down the ballot primaries and we'd all be on the same side. But CNN's reporting, and this is very important. Donald Trump recently delivered the news to Representative Matt Rosendale. He wouldn't win the former president's coveted endorsement if he runs in the GOP primary for the U.S. Senate in Montana, according to Trump ally. In West Virginia, Trump privately suggested to Representative Alex Mooney that he is unlikely to back him. And the twin developments will be welcome news to GOP leaders who have been carefully maneuvering for months to try to keep Trump from undermining their efforts. In other words, we have two red states. We have two Freedom Caucus House members running for Senate. So these are not like Joe Schmoes. In the case of Rosendale in particular, he is, he is as MAGA as you're going to get. He is literally the leader on all the anti-Ukraine initiatives. You would think Tucker would kind of lend him some support. So, they re, so there they didn't even have another candidate. Because remember, he was elected statewide before they had two House districts, so it was just one. So he was the only guy there. He was slated to be the guy. They went out of their way to recruit this kind of Dan Crenshaw type of guy, a neocon, to run against him. McConnell and McCarthy and Ronan McDaniel and Steve Daines, every, the chamber, everything, that all these guys are like... You know, you know, you turn into these people and everyone is a globalist, neocon, cuck, uh, whatever, you know, um, uh, rhino, except for the people who actually are in the way it matters at the time it matters. And your man supports them and literally kicks his most loyal supporters in the balls. So now it's it's get, gaining legs. Now it's not just I'm going to support Trump. But oops, I'm going to stay on the sidelines. And Charlie Kirk was very suspicious. Remember giving all of our guys a hard time. What's your strategy with, with, with the speaker's fight? Remember that? With the speaker's fight. And again, I, I, I love him as a person. It's just strategically, I just don't understand this anymore. And then now, Matt Rosendale was one of the five original people that enabled the speaker's fight. He's like 100% on every single issue. And he's not such as some like toothless hick somewhere. He's a he he's 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 an elected house member. He's running for Senate. This is the problem. We all wonder why do we have such few conservatives in the Senate? This is why. Because when we actually have a chance, and I'm not even talking about in swing states, in deep red states, West Virginia, you're never gonna have a Democrat there. Jim Justice is the worst leftist globalist lockdown piece of Ukraine. He's very into Ukraine too. And Trump is going to likely endorse both of them. Jim Justice there in the Sheen in Montana, literally siding with the worst elements of the McConnell world. And what's jarring, particularly in Montana, is that Rosendale being a leader in the McCarthy fight is being used against him because he didn't take the phone call from Trump to convince him to vote for McCarthy. Well, that's real populist, based, new right, not weak, effeminate, globalist. Yeah, 
I love Mr. Trump so much that I now love Mr. McCarthy. And I love Mr. McCarthy so much that I'm going to oppose the strongest conservative ever for Montana because he was mean to McCarthy. I mean, literally, this, this is where we're at. It's having second and third order magnitude effects. I don't care. You want to support Trump, support him. But don't change who you are. Don't suddenly be like, oh, but if it's a rhino that Trump supports... Oh, now he's he's awesome. Oh, I don't like trennyism, but but Bruce Jenner, he's based. Isaiah 5:20 and never forget this. Woe to those who say of the evil that it is good and of the good that it is evil, who present darkness as light and light as darkness, who present bitter as sweet and sweet as bitter. Yeah, it's talking to you. Support him all you want. Don't lie. Suddenly it's based. It's, it's, it's all about click. You could be the biggest globalist, neocon, blah, 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 gay, transgender, this and that, but you support Trump, you're based. You could be Matt Rosendale. Like, and the reason why I say Matt is because it's... Alex Mooney might be more of like the traditional kind of like Reagan, solid conservative, whereas Matt is more of like a today, more like... A, a MAGA, quasi-populist conservative. You know, I'm saying he's everything you would want if you're part of that movement. And now he's he's a dirtbag. It is so destructive. If we had a movement, ah, oh, I picked DeSantis, you picked Trump, but we are pedal to the metal on all the down-the-ballot primaries. We're pedal to the metal on the South Dakota landowners fight and, and medical freedom and all these issues in all these states and the state legislatures. We're pedal to the metal on the budget fights and the leadership fights in, in the House. You know what? It wouldn't matter. But don't change who you are. That's what's so, so disappointing. Anyway, let me just continue our, our briefing. Um... Representative Stephanie Bice from Oklahoma, a member of the Appropriations Committee, criticized the Freedom Caucus for forcing a government shutdown. Forcing a government shutdown is not in the best interest of the country. You would see a CR long before you would see a government shutdown. So again, I mean, this the party has not changed, and there's a reason for it, and there's a man who is partially responsible for that. Another thing is they're voting on the FAA bill. Um, there's been a bunch of amendments to the FAA reauthorization. Scott Perry had an amendment to that would reduce their budget. It's bloated. Only 52 Republicans voted for it. Tiny fraction of the conference. They even rejected an amendment from Representative Mary Miller to restrict DEI officials or training from the FAA. They only got 181, which is most Republicans, but still, over 40 Republicans voted against that. Andy Oglis had an amendment that would strike social from the scope of factors examined under an FAA program aimed at integrating drones or whatever. Social factors, 30 Republicans vote against it. And only, and also, we had, and this really shocked me, there was an amendment to reinstate fired pilots because of the COVID vax. 83 Republicans voted against it. And again, Look, I, let me make it clear. I don't expect every talk show host to follow things as closely as I do, but the problem is no one is. We don't have a movement. We don't have NGOs or enough of them that do this and create enough pressure. 
Trump could have built built such an organization. Instead, he he not just rebuilt the swamp, but but gave it the kosher stamp of approval of MAGA. The worst thing you can do is say, as long as you kiss my rear end and indulge us superficially, you could screw us in every policy and we will give you the America first, you know, stamp of approval. That is the worst thing you can do. And this is my message today. The, the way you lose things and don't influence things even in the sphere of your influence is when you suddenly become okay with it in your heart. And that's the dirty little secret because I'm not so smart, I'm not so energetic, I'm not so skilled, I'm certainly not well-connected, and I certainly don't have access to money. But the reason why I'm kind of all over the place and focusing on so many fights and you know, making the little difference I can make, and now you know, all you guys could join with me and become part of these teams and make all the difference is because I truly believe in it. And I'm, I'm racking my brains and my heart. This cannot stand. It cannot go on. We got to think of something. It's urgent. It's imminent. Believe it or not, I actually believe in what I say. I believe it's a problem. So I believe that you have a responsibility to focus on it. You know, you go back to Rush in the early 90s, and everyone understood he was an entertainer. Gave great education too. Did a lot of good things. But at the end of the day, he wasn't an activist. And he was a good capitalist. He was good at what he did. He made a lot of money. And we, we, we understood that. I would laugh along with his show. I appreciated it. And that was okay. Because while you know, he engaged in political combat with the left, in 1993, 1996, it wasn't like we're going to die. We have our, literally our life and humanity on the line every second. It wasn't like that. It's stupid, big government programs. You know, okay, whatever. But what you cannot do is in the year 2023 be one of the most influential shows or voices. And you say what I say. You use this apocalyptic rhetoric that, again, Rush didn't use back in the day. It was a different time. And then step out, well, I'm just a talk show host. I'm not an activist, Daniel. What do you, I'm just... I'm just saying what I'm saying. I, I you know, I'm, I'm not, that's not my job. I, I'm sorry, that's bull. And certainly, certainly, don't tell us what is evil is suddenly good, what is dark is suddenly light, what is bitter is suddenly sweet, as long as it has the right man backing it. That is utter nonsense. And that cannot continue. And and look, there's a lot to say. I had I've literally two more sections of the show I wanted to do an update on the presidential campaign stuff and tons of COVID updates. And look, we're already there. Pretty bad t- time management from my side, but I hope it was worthwhile. But I just want to say one thing. I want to harken back to late last year and the opening weeks of this year, 2023, when Trump started with these psychotic attacks on DeSantis. Really personal. Really bearing false witness, just disgusting, mentally ill, just not even, just bizarre. Except for the people really on their payroll or very close, the general kind of mainstream conservative voices and influencers were like, hey, Trump, cut it out. You're off message. Remember that? It was very interesting. But now they are all joining in on it. Like I told you, if you watch 
Over the last few months, a switch was flipped. What do you think changed? And this in itself is a whole show. But I'm just going to say real briefly, I want to share this thought because tomorrow we're going to do a special show on food and health like we did last Friday. But the difference in attitude towards Ron at the beginning of the year and now is one thing. It's the polls. Because that was before the Trump indictments and DeSantis was you know, doing very well in the polls, and now it's a self-fulfilling feedback loop because then the more they don't give him press or good coverage, the more he, you know, falls by the wayside. But it's all polls. And I, I know this from private conversations. Steve will tell you this as well. They don't, they think Trump's gonna win. And I'm like, what a bunch of freaking cowards. This is what it all is. I would respect them more if they stood by that. But you know that if... DeSantis wound up winning Iowa, which is a distinct possibility, and then that kind of changes things around, the attitudes among a lot of them will change. And this is what's pathetic. I hate the establishment. I hate the status quo. We need change. And then when someone finally comes along, they want you to come down. Well, Daniel, I'm all for it, but you need to run this type of campaign and do this, and you need to start off 30 points ahead in the polls. I got news for you. There's nothing new. I've done this for 15 years. Trump is the establishment candidate. And always, they have the most name ID and they are the status quo. How do you think John McCain won a primary? The voters hated him. But we are dictated to and told who to support by the left. The left focuses, so they focus the false fight on that guy. So this is how Brad Little wins. This is how Greg Abbott wins. This is how every incumbent Republican, despite what they do, they win, and they win overwhelmingly, by the way, in the primaries. Because our guys take a look at it, and they're like, you know, Daniel, he's down in the polls. I don't want to do it. Meanwhile, if everyone that calls themselves an influencer would get together, I can't say you'll have a 100% success rate, but you'll have a pretty good success rate, and, and, and your guy would win. We are leaving that on the table. It is not in the heavens. It is not over the seas. They could, if they really believed in what they espoused, they could change the party in red states, in legislatures, governors, the House, House leadership. They could do it tomorrow, but they're cowards because it starts out, this is the status quo. And it doesn't look pretty. And you got to fight for it. By definition, it's the status quo for a reason. It has robust support. You have to fight it. That's what I admire so much about Ron. They're right. It is stupid for him to run. If you look at it politically, it is dumb. He could be governor for a, a, almost another full term and run all the... See, you don't want a big gap where you're out of governor to run for president, but he wouldn't be because it would be the next midterm he'd be done with and then right away you just start running. And, he, and, he, and Trump would, you know, Trump will likely lose the general election, not for sure, but likely. And you have eight years of fatigue from Dems, you really have an easy chance to win both the primary and the general just walk into it. But he doesn't want to lose. He understands we need a voice. It literally is selfless. There is no other good reason for him to do it. It's They're right. It is suicide. Now, I think there is a path, but it's, it's tough. But my point is, like, I'll never forget. They never join me with any single battle. And then, and, and we lose. But one time, God smiled upon us. We got very lucky. And Dave Bratt knocked off the sitting Republican majority leader, Eric Cantor, in Virginia. This was in 20, 20, uh, 2014. 
And, you know, everyone knew I was very close with Dave. And all of a sudden, all the people would have scoffed at his candidacy and never joined. They were like calling me Daniel. One guy who was literally that type of person dumped on me, dumped on my views or whatever. Total groupie. And he's like, oh, my father wants to be his chief of staff. Could you, could you, could I send you his resume? And that's the thing. Everyone wants to go with a winner. And that's pathetic. But again, my point is, when it comes to red state primaries and red state legislation and red state political matters, you could actually win if you only unified and got on the playing field and focused on what mattered in the way it mattered at the time it mattered. It's that simple. It's all the polls. It is so freaking pathetic. Look, I'll respect the ones that stick by Trump when the poll, if and when the polls flip. But I'm telling you, a good number of them, it's all a matter of where the polls are. And that is, that is literally allowing the media to pick our nominee. And, that, and, and again, that's why, take Trump out of it. Let's take people that we all agree are establishment people. They all win all the time. And that's why. Because good men, or people who claim to be good men, refuse to do the right thing. So yeah, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Go enjoy it. By the way, one other interesting thing on this, on the campaign, I don't have time to get to my whole stack. A lot of people are talking about this University of New Hampshire poll. It came out, the top line was um, Trump 37, DeSantis 23, which is, um, it's part of a whole pattern of polls that show... Trump having a pretty low ceiling. So DeSantis is still struggling to gain stra- traction in New Hampshire, but but the thing is Trump also is not popular there. Last time in 2016 he was really popular. So Cruz won Iowa, but even without the whole Carson business, he would have struggled to use the momentum to win New Hampshire because Trump was inherently very strong. Here Trump is inherently very weak there. Now DeSantis is also not on the map, but were he to win Iowa, there there it does demonstrate there's a good chance he could actually benefit from the momentum as long as there's no close third place finisher that's, you know, well suited for New Hampshire that could up upend him. But but that's horse race. The more important point is a lot of other people have pointed this out in the top line in in the internal numbers. It shows they vote. They divided it up voters that have children. So I, I think it's both men and women, meaning mothers and fathers that have children. DeSantis is beating Trump fifty-six to twenty-three. And to me, what that screams and tells you is, yeah, a lot of the baby boomer empty nesters that don't have children at home, they have they have the time for the levity. They enjoy the show. But people who know this is real. And it's not enough to espouse the country music MAGA. Rough redneck. Oh yeah. Beat those globalists thing. But you actually want to stop the pain. Are the people that have the most on the line. People my demographic. That are younger and have, have young children. We can't afford this bullcrap. It's time to get on the playing field. Deuteronomy um, 30, Isaiah 520. Till tomorrow. God bless you all, and thank you for listening.